This is Rosie Starr for Radio Catskill. Welcome to Farm and Country, locally produced radio about rural life in the Catskills and the Delaware River Valley. On today's show, Doug Deal from Friendly Acres Tree Farm in Coshecton, New York, shares his inspiration and knowledge about Christmas trees. And I'm delighted to gift your ears with what he has to say. All of that coming up on today's Farm and Country. But first, news headlines from NPR. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Louise Schiavone. In Gaza, a temporary ceasefire between Israel and Hamas is holding for a second day. Israel is gathering a group of Palestinian prisoners to release today, as Hamas has promised to release more hostages. NPR's Daniel Estrin tells us what life is like at this juncture in Gaza. Israel says more humanitarian aid has reached Gaza as part of the temporary truce agreement. Four trucks of fuel and four trucks of cooking gas entered the Strip from Egypt for aid organizations. NPR producer Anas Baba in Gaza says for the first time in many weeks, Palestinians are driving around southern and central Gaza to check on relatives while the Israeli bombardment is on pause. Fuel supplies are scarce, so they're using cooking oil to power old cars. The U.N. says it managed to deliver flour for bread to two U.N. facilities sheltering displaced Palestinians in northern Gaza, the first time in over a month that it's been able to deliver aid to the area occupied by Israeli forces. And Al-Ahali Hospital in Gaza City resumed limited medical services. Daniel Estrin, NPR News, Tel Aviv. Ukraine's Air Force says that country was targeted overnight by a record number of drones launched by Russia. It said defenders had shot down all but one of 75 drones, the vast majority of which were in the Kyiv region. The city's mayor said five people were injured. The BBC's James Waterhouse has details from Kyiv. We've had weeks and weeks of it being relatively quiet, and I think that silence abruptly ended this morning. We had about six hours of air raid sirens and we had the constant booms of the city's air defences working to keep around 75, we're told, Russian drones that were trying to make their way inside the city. It was fairly relentless. This is a place where no one's had a good night's sleep and I think there were also worries that Russia would resume its tactic of targeting Ukrainian infrastructure as winter continued to bite. The BBC's James Waterhouse reporting from Kyiv. The United States is on track to set a new record for domestic oil production this year. NPR's Jeff Brady reports another record is expected next year, despite ambitious Biden administration climate goals. U.S. oil production is expected to hit 12.9 million barrels a day for 2023. And next year, the Energy Information Administration says it'll likely exceed 13 million barrels a day. After decades of declining production, technologies like hydraulic fracturing have created oil and gas booms around the country. Under the Paris Climate Agreement, the U.S. aims to zero out greenhouse gas emissions, mostly from fossil fuels, by 2050. The Biden administration got the most ambitious climate change law ever passed last year, but even that law includes requirements to lease more areas in the Gulf of Mexico for offshore drilling. Jeff Brady, NPR News. This is NPR News in Washington.
This is Rosie Starr. Welcome back to Farming Country. Coming up on today's show, Deal family member Doug Deal knows about Christmas trees, and I'm delighted to share with you my conversation with him at Friendly Acres Farm in Coshecton, New York. Thank you for joining us on Radio Catskill for this week's locally produced Farming Country. For WJFF Radio Catskill, this is Rosie Starr in Coshecton at Friendly Acres Farm. It's a tree farm. I'm with Doug Deal, one of the members of the Deal family, very prominent name in farming here on both sides of the river. He'll introduce himself and we'll have a conversation. Hi, this is Doug Deal. We are in Coshecton, New York. I was born and raised here. Went to Jeffersonville High School, uh, Jeff Youngsville at the time. I am 53 years old, and I've had this Christmas tree farm since 1993 when I purchased it from my uncle, who had purchased it from my grandfather. And we're working on third generation, and my kids will be taking over, hopefully, and be fourth generation. Well, you speak with such pride when you say all of that. Tell us a little bit more about your background that led you to be inspired to do the work that you do. As a kid, I grew up in the uh, Calicoon Jeff area, up through uh, Route 52A there. Parents, uncles, grandparents were all farmers. I was uh, raised on the farm, grew to love it. Did my high school years and went to college. Found my way in college into horticulture through landscaping and um, nursery. Followed a career in nursery production. My first job was in northern New York on a Christmas tree farm slash nursery. At that point, I really took to the Christmas tree end of it. Bought some property here, which, like I said, I purchased from my uncle, which was uh, handed down from my grandfather. And from there, I started planting Christmas trees in 1994. And started harvesting in about 2000, 2001. And over the years, have built friendly and faithful clientele that come back every year. Over the years, I've uh, moved on with my life as far as nursery management and moved to Ohio but still run the farm here as a weekend hobby, I guess you want to call it. Do you consider trees, Christmas trees, to be an agricultural product? Absolutely. Christmas trees are a commodity, just like corn and beans and hay. We start the seedlings or buy the seedlings in. We plant them out. We care for them. It's a crop, and we have just a seasonal responsibilities just like any other farmer the only difference between what i'm doing and say a hay crop or a forage crop is my crops are in the ground for six to eight years before i can harvest so i have to take care of them for six to eight years you know it's a little bit more intense and a little bit more of 
dealing with mother nature and uh, natural phenomenons that can damage my crop or slow me down. Um, you know, I deal with the same other effects that every other farmer does. Uh, you know, we're dealing with pests, weather, inflation. I still have to purchase fuel and get my supplies, fertilizer, chemicals, and, you know, just like anybody else, as uh, time moves on, so doesn't the price of everything, and it never goes back down. Everything that I use is going up. The stock plants I actually buy to start, you know, plant out the seedlings, they've increased over the years, which is, you know, again, another farmer in a different aspect. He's starting the seeds, he's growing them on, so he's challenged with the same problems we are fuel, uh, overhead costs, chemicals, and fertilizer, and labor. And labor probably right now, um, not so much for me because I do most of it myself and I have children. <laughs> but trying to find labor is hard. And then, of course, you know, you're competing with everybody else and the price of labor has gone up. Whereas in the old, older times, the farm labor was, you know, relatively cheap you know you could find high school kids that wanted a summer job and you could find neighborly help and stuff like that but you know again everybody is busy everybody has their lives and even trying to get my kids to help me sometimes is uh they have lots of activity so something else always comes first and you mentioned uh seedlings where do your seedlings come from for the trees a uh, majority of my seedlings come from michigan I have bought from Pennsylvania, and but mostly Michigan. There's a pretty good group of nurseries up there that start seedlings for the forestry industry, mostly. And then, of course, they'll sell to farmers for growing on for conservation. They sell to other nurseries for growing on for either Christmas trees or digging trees. And then um, their main customers are forestry though say northern michigan and minnesota and in the adirondacks also a lot of large tree farms where they just grow strictly for paper wood or mill wood um, so it's a uh, highly regulated highly specialized or choreographed how they block it out and harvest and stuff like that so it's a um, it's a renewable resource a lot more than people realize, I, I think. Um, a lot of people think that a lot of your timber comes from old-growth forests, but there is a huge, huge area of the United States dedicated to just plain wood that is grown for, you know, building purposes mm -hmm. or paper purposes. Well, you're very knowledgeable about so much. What species of trees do you have here? Do you have a selected product? Or do you just focus on one type of tree? No, here at the Friendly Acres, we have a little bit of a variety. Um, I'm always trying something new also. Uh, our main tree is Concolor fir, which is a white fir. It seemed to be the easiest one for me to grow here, mostly because the deer like everything else, fir family-wise. Spruce and pine. Pine was an old Christmas tree, tough to grow as far as fighting insects and getting it to market, and then you don't have a big market for it. Spruce, 
Spruce is great for growing around here. We I can grow probably about five species of spruce that will be suitable for Christmas trees. Uh, not the longest lasting needle and usually have a pointy um, needle on them which deters some people. But it's great for cats and kids. <laughs> so you get to your first species which is your most common, most uh, desired species for Christmas trees. Again, I grow the concolor fir. Canaan fir works very well for me here also. It'll take about any type of soil. It is about the closest I can grow to a Fraser fir. Do have some issues with deer on them. Not as bad as Fraser fir. I also grow Nico fir. I grow balsam fir. I have some a bunch of crosses I've planted over the years where I have like a Fraser slash Canaan. Um, we grow white fir. We grow Nordman fir, Vechai fir, uh, Korean fir, and all these have different traits as far as coloring and texture and which gives me a wide variety of plants and over the years I've found that as we grow them we kind of let the tree do what it naturally wants to do. We do trim continuously every every year they get a trimming mostly for shape but we grow a, a range. We'll grow them skinny, we'll grow them tall, we'll grow them fat, we'll grow them wide, we'll grow them sometimes loose looking more natural and then we shear some that are pretty tight and then I also have to supplement our stock with ones I have to buy in which a lot of times are the Fraser fur because again the market's demanding Fraser and you got to give the people what they want that way we have a, a wide variety a wide selection a wide look I guess you want to say because everybody thinks the perfect Christmas tree looks a little different so what I may think is a perfect Christmas tree you may find not appealing and what I think I wouldn't put in my house if you dared me somebody else may absolutely fall in love with that's a that's a challenge right in itself trying to guess what the customer wants it's so amazing if I could just share with the audience the look on your face when you're describing this it's just beautiful beauty's in the eye of the beholder and in and in this case it's christmas trees it's so amazing <laughs> i think your profession brings out the child in you like me christmas trees are special they're just special they're just beautiful all year round perennial beauty mm -hmm. But you mentioned the soil a little back. Is there something particular about where we are in this part of Sullivan County and Coshecton, the soil, that makes it good for your trees? Not so much that it's anything special. The soil in the general area is actually very well suited as long as it's drainable. Um, so the, the rolling hills around here, are great for that and the fact that we are on a based shale red shale clay soil area the red shale gives us the nutrients and such that's in the soil the clay helps us hold a little bit of moisture sometimes the clays you know the greatest thing we'll get a flat pocket where the clay will hold too much water so we have to watch what species we put there but for the most part uh, Sullivan County has a very fertile soil I mean, over the years, um, 
since beginning of the country, I mean, we've seen farming here. And, you know, where there's farming, you have to have some kind of nutrients in the soil. And we're blessed to have fertile soil. And How do you enrich the soil continuously? Well, what you see is the Christmas trees. Uh, they were previously cornfields and pasture and hay fields. I do have cows on the farm. So we can take actually cow manure out and put it amongst the trees. If uh, when we reclaim a piece of ground to plant new trees, we I'll plant I'll put manure on it, give it some more backfill. We also bring some composted horse manure in, and I can kind of like throw a shovel full amongst the trees uh, as we go. We do need to supplement with fertilizer, and you know we'll do a soil test figure out what's the best, what we need, make sure our pH is okay, and, you know, give them a shot of fertilizer. Again, you know, once, probably once a year, sometimes twice a year, depending on how much rain we've gotten, if it's leached out or not. For the most part, though, our soil has been great here, and Christmas trees don't demand a whole lot, so it's been fairly good with as little added as we had to. Your wealth of knowledge and information and experience. You mentioned your age, you're at middle age. What inspires you to keep going with such uh, veracity at what you do? I don't know. <laughs> it was in my genes. Um, it's how I was raised. It's just how you're basically raised and your upbringing is probably most to do with it. Like I said, I was raised on a dairy farm. We were taught to work when we were young had examples of fathers, uncles, grandfathers, you know, in the farming industry, I mean, you pretty much work your whole life, and the goal is let your kids have a better life than you, and I went to college to uh, better my life, and I don't necessarily farm full-time like my parents did, or my grandparents. I do manage a thousand-acre nursery in Ohio, I've been at that job for 25 years and worked this. And at the same time, my father and I continue to make hay. Uh, he does hay crops. He's no longer dairies. And so I'm just a busy person. Uh, it's just how you are or just how you're wired, I guess. Just like to spend time out in nature. And the best way for me to do it is to work on the farm. You're following the true family tradition. Your family goes back many generations in history, and it's really an honor to stand here with you and talk about what you do. We're we're under a beautiful tree here. What is this tree that we're standing under? It's uh, it's not a Christmas tree. <laughs> no, we're uh, we're standing underneath a uh, magnolia. It's a uh, magnolia Elizabeth, uh, prominent yellow flower in the spring. Came from Ohio, came from the nursery. It was a scratch and dent. <laughs> Put it in the yard and saved it. Made it grow on and it's, uh, it's grown into a specimen tree. Let's get to the season. Your big season is Christmas, I believe. People come and cut trees here. Correct. Uh, <laughs> tell us a little bit about that and some of your other products. I see on the sign on the road there's maple syrup. Our main season is basically from Thanksgiving 
to Christmas. Uh, we are a Christmas tree farm, so hence the season. So we'll start usually about the week before Thanksgiving. Uh, the early bird people like to come select a tree. So best way for them to do it is come to the farm where they can cut their own fresh. Starting the day after Thanksgiving, we're open for full-time harvesting. And at that point, we also supplement the yard with pre-cut trees from various nurseries that I'll visit this time of year during the summer and, uh, you know, make sure I have enough stock for my uh, clientele. We also make uh, handmade wreaths, door swags, and we'll bring in some garland. And also we'll offer some hands and crafts from local vendors, nephews, nieces, and we also carry honey and maple syrup, which is made by my cousin, my uncle, from Deal Heritage Farm over in Calicoon. And we also carry our own line of beef. Um, we have beef cows on the farm, and we have um, USDA cut and packaged, and we can offer uh, a line of beef also for uh, holiday dinners and dinner every day. And my cousin carries my beef at his farm market where he sells his maple syrup and honey and they do eggs and chickens and such stuff over there that's how it works and then also in the spring I also offer some potted trees I offer them during Christmas time for people who don't want to cut a tree and want to have a little live tree that they can plant in their yard come springtime and like I say we carry them all year round that way if some somebody wants to plant a tree in their yard they can come see me We'll hook them up with something. They can grow their own Christmas tree and uh, enjoy it outside in its natural beauty instead of having to put it in their house, and which I still want you to do at Christmas time. <laughs> uh, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Do you cut a tree and bring one into your house at Christmas? How do you decorate it? My family is kind of like the, what do you call the shoemaker's... Uh, kids uh we're the last minute tree mostly because we're so busy at that time of the year so we either put it up early around thanksgiving or it's usually the day before christmas and honestly most of the times it's one off the lot that's one of the last ones everybody's got to have a home you know it goes up we enjoy it for a week or so and as far as decorating uh, that is left up to my wife I found over the years that she does it better <laughs> and uh, or the kids you know depends on who's home and uh, who has time when the folks come at Christmas for the trees do they cut them do you help them cut them do, do people want to get like actively involved people come and cut their own trees I've been cutting trees since 2000 2001 I've had families here since the first year I've seen families 25, 30 years. They come back every year. I provide them a saw. They go out and they cut their own tree. And um, it becomes a tradition. It becomes uh, something that people want to do every year with their family. And if somebody comes and wants to cut a tree and then find out that you know, sawing the tree is not the most fun thing in the world or it's too hard for them, we'll go out and cut a tree for them. We have people that come every year and they go out and pick the tree, and we'll go out and cut it for them if we need to. But for the most part, I would say 
95% of our customers that want to cut a tree cut the tree themselves and they uh, they make a day out of it um, we've had people that come and will spend you know half the day wandering around the trees just uh, just wandering around the trees we've had people come groups tailgate and make an event out of it per se then we have the people that show up and say this one looks great in the car it goes and away they go yeah. and we have people that come pre-tag a week or two before Thanksgiving um, and they'll come back and get the tree closer to Christmas mm -hmm. and then I also have the local people that come and help themselves they'll come and if I'm not here they'll give me a call and say hey Doug I'm here for a tree and can I take one I'm like sure and then they'll you know we'll make arrangements for payment and they help themselves it's nice to be able to live in an area where your neighbors, you know, you can trust your neighbors. I don't have to fence off the property for theft. I have to fence it off for deer, but <laughs> like I say, it's it's home to me. I, I grew up here. Um, this was my grandparents' farm. Probably spent as many days as I could here at my grandparents' uh, on the dairy farm. And, you know, kind of glad I can keep it in the family and give it a second purpose of life, which most dairy farms are now in here now are second purposed as either you know crop farms or beef or second homes or um, it adds to the beauty of the county I believe probably the one thing I've seen over the years is as the farms went out of business and disappeared and the landscape hasn't really changed that much because you can still see where the farms were it's still the beauty of the area and uh you know, I'd rather look at a big, beautiful field than a big, beautiful field with a house in the middle of it. I have to agree. I have traveled this road many times, and if I'm alone, I try to just focus on the road ahead of me, but it's really hard not to stray your eyes to the right or left. It's one of the most idyllic spots in Sullivan County to come over and see the lay of the land, your trees, no matter what time of the day, morning, midday, sunset. It is just a picture postcard of stunning beauty. And I respect you and honor you for doing the work that you do to keep it this way. As a community member, I thank you for that. Thank you for coming and visit with us. Hopefully uh, you can come back and get yourself a Christmas tree and uh, enjoy it at the time of the year when I want people to enjoy it. Yes, that's my neighbors enjoy looking at the farm and hopefully, like I say, it can continue to be a, a beautiful spot in the county. Yes, I will take you up on your offer. I may be one of those people that will like look for the Charlie Brown tree. I don't, you must know that story of, of Charlie Brown's Christmas because you said your family may at the last minute get the last run of the tree. All of them are beautiful. There's no bad trees. Exactly. There is never a bad tree. They're all beautiful. Thank you so much for your time. You've given us quite a chunk of time, and I really appreciate it. You're a wealth of knowledge. I know we only hit the tip of the iceberg, but I'm grateful. Thank you. You're welcome. For WJFF Radio Catskill, this is Rosie Starr in Keshecton at Friendly Acres Tree Farm with Doug Deal.
We hope that you enjoyed our show this week, produced by a Radio Catskill volunteer. Special thanks goes to our guest, Doug Deal, from Friendly Acres Farm in Koshekta, New York. This has been your host, Rosie Starr. Thanks for listening local to Farm and Country and supporting Radio Catskill, public radio for the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. Listen on air at 90.5 FM on your phone or smart speaker and online at WJFFradio.org. Support for Farm and Country comes from Damascus Citizens for Sustainability, a community-supported, science-based nonprofit taking legal actions, providing tools for action, and raising awareness of fracking damage since 2008, proactively protecting public health in the Delaware River Basin and beyond. DamascusCitizens.org. The music sale is happening right now in Liberty, New York. Radio Catskills annual music sale. It's bigger than ever, and it's going until 3 o'clock this afternoon. There's still time for you to get on over to the Liberty Mall on Sullivan Avenue in Liberty, New York to browse thousands of records, CDs, tons of audio components, equipment, instruments, and more. $5 admission, cash or Venmo accepted. We are there until 3 p.m. at the Radio Catskill music sale in Liberty. On this week's On the Media, 